Today on Talk About That, John argues with his wife about breakfast and mails someone a book only to have it returned a year later. Meanwhile, I ponder why certain movies just appeal more to men and then later sob like a baby at an internet video. Also, a conversation about narcissistic leadership and self-awareness. Today's episode is not sponsored by the QR code, the greatest comeback story of the pandemic. It's go time. Welcome to another episode. I'm here with the myth, the man, the legend, Johnny W. You said the myth first. I think it was the man, the myth. I thought it was the myth, the man. The myth doesn't come first. Johnny, it does with you. First, you're just a man. You are. Then you're like, I was a myth. Is it the man, the myth, the legend? The man, the the myth, myth, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know, man. I don't know, myth. I don't know, Johnny. I don't really do words. You no. know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... No. I don't you have... Colloquialisms are not... Uh, it's not an easy word to say. It's not. It's like if you can say speech impediment, you don't have one. <laughs> if you can say rural, you don't live in a rural area. Can I tell you the yeah. main word... It is a daily battle in my house that we have over pronunciation of a certain Recidivism. word. Recidivism. No, no. <laughs> Sadie's How, been arrested again. Recidivism. <laughs> How would you say yeah. the name of mm-hmm. the sticky sweet substance that you pour over pancakes? What would you call that? Syrup? Syrup is correct. Some people say syrup, though. My wife says syrup. Yeah, like a stirrup. Yeah. Like put your legs in the stirrups. And it's very... she. We, we fight yeah. tooth and nail over this. Yeah. And... I always tell her, hey, what's that country over there in the Middle East yeah. uh, near, you know, where, where we have all of this unrest? Oh, like, is, is it Syria? Is that what it is? <laughs> With a fringe on top? I mean, like, obviously. That's, that's from Oklahoma. And stirrups, or a uh, uh, stirrup, <laughs> sorry. Stirrups. A stirrup yeah. obviously has an I. Right. Like, with the Y, it's got to be syrup. Syrup. And I, I am going to the airwaves syrup. to make a stand. Syrup, I think, is probably a very southern syrup. What am I? Well, uh, I know, but I'm saying you're. Are you, it's just the, uh, you're super I'm educated. Southern. Right? I'm southern. You're Come southern. On. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm very southern. But Laura's very educated too, and she's all about the syrup. I don't understand why you're defending her, and she actually makes a lot more money than you too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it doesn't take much, Johnny. To That's make a true. lot more money than oh, me. Oh man, but, we so, call that syrup money. So, <laughs> she is smarter than me, and yes. that's why this is offensive. Yeah, like because maybe you're wrong. Have mm, you ever thought about that? I, I, every day, I okay. think about that, and because so, she reminds me. But it, hey, it, just wanted you to maybe you're wrong. Open your mind up. Have you thought about that? But I just go to me mm-hmm. the Syria. Or stirrup examples. Like, right. there's so many examples of how this is not that. Well, that's the English language, though. There's a million, though. It's but like can la- you find, laughter and daughter. Okay, but to your point, then, find me yeah. one more example uh-huh. where SY uh-huh. produces syrup sound. Okay. Can you find one? I don't think so. You can't. We don't have to. We we can't. We had a pretty. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't give me time. You were just ready. Time's up. (laughs) That's not fair. You always do that. Like if we're in an argument, it's like, oh yeah, when's the last time that happened? And she's like, well, I can't exactly. Like you know, it's like, well, none of us could actually, (laughs) you know, immediately uh, pull out of thin air things like that. But it's okay. (laughs) Johnny, I'm a bully is what that's what I'm you saying. You are. Like, wow. 
You're grouchy too. This I've noticed. <laughs> you told me that before we started that you get you're hitting a wall like at two p.m. now. Yeah, which is a very middle aged man thing to say. Wow, I just feel like. I'm tired all the time. I had 12 <laughs> frappuccinos and I just need a nap. <laughs> I had just had a diet. But this has been going all day Dude. today. Yeah. I had a diet Pepsi uh-huh. with a hint of mango. By the way, have you had this? Wait a minute. Are you adding the mango? No, they, it came that way. Oh. Yeah. So it's artificial. Well, it's you mango. think I was going to add a real mango, mango to mango, a Pepsi? Mango syrup. Is that what it is? <laughs> mango syrup. And so I had that and then I was standing in front of the coffee pot. And Laura you think goes, it's better if you don't add the mango? You think that makes it less lame? You're no, like, I just think I'm not an idiot. I'm not adding the mango. <laughs> I bought it that they had added. I searched it out in the store. <laughs> I'm cool. No, I'm just saying you're acting like mango doesn't go with Pepsi, and I'm well, saying they produced the product, Johnny. So yeah, apparently, they, someone they on their also marketing made team Crystal Pepsi. Okay, oh they're like, you know, what we need clear you soda. You got to let it go. We need cola that won't stain your cola. But what that was the coolest marketing campaign of all time. It was. What was the song? Right now by Van Halen. Yes. Yeah. Like Clear Pepsi. That's why I took off. I mean, you think the yeah. song? Oh yeah. I mean, I sing. Listen, that song. Crystal Pepsi. They tried to bring it back a few years ago, and it just yeah. people. They thought it was like a nostalgia. People will want this. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They were like, oh, we remember that. It was mm. dumb. Mm. It's only good if, if it sounds like something you would use like a gag for somebody like, hey, have some water. <laughs> and then you like, yeah, and then they drink it. This is cola. Drink, drink up, we'll tell you. Aha! <laughs> and then, yeah. Is this, is this I, mango? I had Sadie watch that scene of Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't watch any of the movies that I think are funny, except she, Nacho Libre. She loves Did she Nacho. like the scene in Dumb and Dumber? No. I can barely get her to. I think it's kind of, well, Curry likes that movie, uh, which is why I love her. She likes that. She likes Tommy Boy. But there are definitely some movies that I love that she finds very, like, juvenile guy movies. Like, I don't think she loves Anchorman in the same way that I love Anchorman. Yeah. I think Ron Burgundy's a very, like, frat boy humor kind of a character. Yeah. He's very unaware that he's being very misogynistic and stupid. Right. And men find that funny, and women are like, no, I deal with that crap every day. It's right. awful. <laughs> the movie's making fun of him doing that. Yeah. He's like an over... But I don't know, like Michael Scott's a big goof and a stupid, like politically incorrect person. And women seem to be, they think he's kind of charming. There's, because they kind of started showing the vulnerable side of him. They, yeah. they, they hashed out the character more. Yeah. As the seasons went on. But anyway, there are movies that are a bridge too far for my wife where she's like, that's just stupid. Yeah. You know, like Johnny Knoxville. You never, know, never watched I don't want to say the title of those movies, but because yeah. we got the. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Sadie, like, I realized when you sent me that uh, Princess Bride thing. Like I several years ago, tried to get her to watch Princess Bride, uh-huh. and that didn't work out. She didn't like it. Well, I don't think we really. I don't think it ever captured her. Okay, you got to understand the movies, especially at that time. It was a while ago, probably. Right, because I was a, young. Yeah, but everything is so quick to the punch. Right, the pacing in movies is totally different yeah. th- uh, than to now. Yeah, and I, like you know, Nacho Libre, she'll follow that one. And it's got a lot it's a story of, arc. of exposition. A, yeah, right, like there it's, is. it's building up, you know. But it's, you know, Jack Mike being silly and chubby and... Um, right, he's still, yeah. Along the way. Getting charming. hosed off as a child, yeah. you know, in the very beginning. And there's always, yeah, there's enough comedy to keep you going, yeah. you know. But yeah, Princess Bride's like a long lead-in to get yeah. to sort of the, the funny parts or the... Yeah, the video that we're talking about, if you've not seen it, I won't explain all of it, but there's a video that Manny Patinkin, who played... 
uh, Inigo Montoya mm-hmm. in Princess Bride. So if you're like a Gen X or, or a you know from our generation, or if you're even if you're millennial, that movie means a lot to people. Yeah. And there's a TikTok uh, video of a woman trying to like reach out to him, basically saying, "Hey, I know that you have a TikTok, and my dad just passed a year ago from cancer." And I miss him every day. And he was a big fan. And that was our favorite movie to watch together. And she shares this. She said, I heard that this scene in the movie that you were channeling like your own like grief and grief and anger yeah. about losing your own father. And I just wanted to know if that was true. And then like, so there's a video of Manny Patinkin, the actor, like being shown that video and he responds to her on a TikTok. So they're like side by side and he's responding to her and he's just like his so empathetic and he's very moved by her story and then he starts telling his story it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen like if nothing else like we know the internet's a cesspool yeah like it's just completely irredeemable at this point but when i see something like that i'm like i never would have experienced what i experienced watching that video if it wasn't for the internet so there is some good yeah like i was goo i was gone i know and then i sent it to my wife and then she was like in the bathroom i said i could hear the text go through and then I, there's this long pause and i can hear the audio from it you're sniffling oh and i just hear her and then she was she goes what are you doing to me and she's falling apart it was just well, it's amazing we're, we're all a little on the edge right now it is so. and plus anybody that's like lost a parent or loved one yeah. like it was very like right it just hit you right in the soul you yeah know? but it's also like seeing someone's humanity that's like a celebrity you see them really grieve along with somebody. Yeah. Like he takes off his glasses and is wiping his eyes. And you're like, holy mo-. He wasn't like, I'm glad my performance meant so much. to you. It wasn't that at all. It was very human. Well, and he was also super humble about the Princess Bride. Yeah. He was like, you know, that is the little gift that just continues to give my entire life. Right. You know, because think about it. He wouldn't have probably had any other parts yeah. if that movie hadn't taken off. Right. It's just that connection point and the fact that it meant so much to people. Like, I yeah. think that's interesting when you make something and then you just go on to make like 20 more things. But then one thing has meant everything to people. Sometimes actors and even musicians, if they have a hit song. They begin to like hate those things because it's like, look, I'm more than just this one thing. Like the guy that wrote the Pina Colada song. If yeah. you like Pina, can you imagine? Like that's what he's known for. So yeah. if he hates that, if he hates Pina Coladas and getting caught in the rain, <laughs> but he's got to like pay his mortgage every month, so he has to play the Pina Colada song every night if he wants to eat. Like that's got to be a weird thing. Yeah. So to see somebody go, no, I'm super grateful for this thing. It's great. And again, it was a great thing that he made. So it's not like he's like, I was whatever. I'm the grape stomping lady forever. <laughs> right. it's, not, it's a great thing that he was involved with. By the way, look up grape stomping lady. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> we're like sending people down the rabbit hole of YouTube and TikTok. But I thought it was so cool to see like somebody who, and again, he's not some super like megastar celebrity, but just someone who you see in a certain way and you just go, oh, everyone in Hollywood is probably this way. And to see him just be so moved by someone else's story and step outside of his own story for a moment. Yeah. And you just go, I want to, like, have dinner with this guy. Yeah. Like, and that just made me go, okay, well, the Internet is, there's something good, you know. I don't know. I, I, the Internet, you know, we were talking off air a little bit. You know, the the way my brain works, mm-hmm. okay, as a leader or as a writer or whatever is I identify all the problems and then I begin to organize them in the order of how we're going to solve them mm-hmm. to move us forward. Same thing in my family or whatever. Like if, if, if we're having a rough time in a situation, then 
Laura and I will brainstorm what all is happening, and we'll begin to make a plan to at least start addressing one thing. Mm-hmm. And when we get that out of the way, then you know you, you start moving. And and again, it's not my job to fix society. Like I understand that, but I think modern day, maybe it's pride, does bring with it this idea that surely, surely we could all pick out because things are so in your face, like. Surely I could name a bunch of things that, you know, are going on that that need to change, like whether or not I can change them, but yeah. surely we can name them. So obviously I'm writing about social issues. I can tell you, I think they change. I think that there's this obstinate way of thinking. There's this uh, opposition based way of thinking. There's this complete misinformation campaign. There's no, um, like a very, there's very little understanding of sources of reliable sources, especially for certain generations mm-hmm. that anecdotal or spurious sources seem so convincing to them. Right. More so than the news, because now we can just say, where'd you read that? Oh, New York Times. You can't trust them. Right. My, my cousin, Larry. Yeah. He said, take goat dewormer or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's happening. Right. Literally the goat dewormer. Like, and, and, I'm very overwhelmed, and when I trace back, like, okay, because so, it's all about ordering these mm-hmm. problems. If I if I reorder the problems, where I end up arriving to some extent is, and again, it's like an old man shaking my cane at the heavens or something, but it's not. But the internet is the vehicle. Uh-huh. It's the only way in history that this mass confusion and like disinformation campaign yeah. and disinformation could all coexist yeah. and each have this amazing like energy that feeds the other yeah and there's no like pipeline because now the pipeline is so many pipelines it's infinite right. there's yeah. no like you can shut off any yeah you can't shut it off yeah you can't say oh i'm gonna put this remedy into the pipeline and for once and for all right we're gonna prove uh that this is how we end world war ii Okay, well, I don't like necessarily everything about that, but it's definitive. There's definitive enemies, yeah. definitive causes, threats. You know, like the threats now, you don't even trust one person's threat as another person's hero. Yeah. That's not a threat. That's what's going to save us. Like yeah. everything, you go, oh my gosh, it really is like up is down, right is right. wrong, left is right, green is black. I mean, like everything is is different to everybody. And I trace it to this it's almost, it really is. Gosh, now you're, you're going to really roll your eyes. Okay. It's like the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's like we get to eat all we want to from knowledge. Yeah. And God's super clear. It's not because God doesn't want you to have knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't because we can't handle it. He's like, you're not going to be able to do this. Right. And like, we're engorging ourselves. Yeah. And there's fundamentally still believe what Adam and Eve believed. And that is that if I get enough of this. Right. I could, I could be, I could fix the problems, which is what God does. Well, it's why you have people now thinking that themselves with a GED is smarter than an epidemiologist or, you know, somebody that went to law school. They're smarter. Yep. I mean, it started even like, I remember thinking like watching the OJ trial, which was the first like gigantic trial of the century. And you'd be like, why can't people just, and you realize that you're getting things that the jury is not even seeing. Right. But you're second guessing. Like F. Lee Bailey, and you're second guessing Marsha Clark and Christopher Darden, who were the lawyers for the who were trying to prosecute this like clear cut case of murder. So much more DNA evidence than we'd ever had. 
But like the more information, it made it more confusing because they were laying like mm-hmm. evidence on top of evidence. It was this mountain. And then you're like, how can this jury get this wrong? And then you you look at it after the fact they're doing like a weird, like almost like a autopsy of that case, you know, a post whatever you call that, where you just like they're dissecting it all. Now there's a podcast I'm listening to and they were talking about all the like there was a grand jury that was originally like uh, dedicated to this that was just scrapped because one of the 911 calls got out and they couldn't trust that the jurors, the grand jury had heard it. So they just started over hmm. and just and and just piled back in. And you're just like, what an interesting little like footnote because you're just watching on tv thinking like i would have known better like no you would have known what they told you yeah and you would have been confused by johnny cochran because he would have weaved his web like we don't know what we would have done but it's easy to think like i would have figured this out but like you said like more information is not always good it's how how it gets spun it's it's what matters most you know yeah there is a book coming out next year by called not so black and white maybe you heard of it maybe not <laughs> here we go Mm-mm-mm. no there's a book by uh, a guy who's becoming a, a friend of mine named uh john does he know that he's becoming a friend or no. you're just like i think this guy's gonna become no, a friend this is gonna happen <laughs> with or without him um his name is uh john Anwu chekwa oh yeah and he gave us an incredible endorsement for the book and and we uh, it's a really cool story i think i could tell it um because i don't really know we we <laughs> We were at the place when you when you are doing like writing the book you think is the hardest part mm-hmm. and, and it generally is but but there is a whole marketing side after the fact that I'm not it's not a natural muscle for me no especially as an introvert you're just like now I have to ask people to care about this <sighs> and I and, you know and again they they asked me to write on the copy and I generally in I was talking to my marketing director at Sonderman this week about some things and she finally said John none of us are going to be as deeply invested in this as you are. Mm-hmm. So if you need to, you don't need to feel bad. Like if you want words on the website to change, right? you can tell us specifically which one. Because yeah. I'm trying to let them, I trust them. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I don't That's have a, hard though. I remember thinking that when I was trying to do music and I remember, especially when I was starting comedy, somebody said that to me. They said, no one is ever going to believe in your dream as much as you do. Yep. And I was like, it almost like hurt my feelings to hear it. And I think about that all the time now. Yeah, just it's jarring, but it's like you need that. You need that like grow up moment. Well, you do, and 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 then you own it, and yeah. you also, for those of us who who need the approval of people, it's very hard. Yeah, you know, you're like, why not? Yeah, yeah, and I, I with like, so one of those is endorsements. You got to go get endorsements, and endorsements don't. They mm-hmm. say affects book, book sales as nearly as much as you think they do. Like if you see a big name in the front, it doesn't necessarily affect. So I, I used to freak out about endorsements. Yeah. Now I'm like, we really want it. Well, we didn't have, we had one. It was a really good one. And it was me. It was you, Johnny. <laughs> but we changed your name to protect the innocent. Um, no, we had uh, Governor Haslam. It's pretty good. And it's, yeah. a, it's a really good, because he wrote an incredible book. If you guys haven't read it, it's called Faithful Presence. And you can talk about a lot of the topics that we talk about on this show. Uh, here's a f- former two-term governor, you know, who's speaking in a conservative, who's speaking from a, a very middle ground gospel centered place about the role of church in the public square and, and talk about a guy's unique perspective. But the, what I love about the book is, is he models in his writing what it is he's saying. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me right now because the book I'm writing is very, um, or book I've written is very, it's going to, it's going to throw some punches, but I'm yeah. all, I'm throwing punches telling you not to throw punches. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I struggle with that tension. Like this has to be said. Right. 
That line between like activism and reconciliation. Right. Yeah. And I don't want people, I'm very sensitive about people not, when, when part of the marketing language, I don't, I don't want this to be another, uh, a black friend and a white friend worked it all out. Right. You know, so can you, you know, it's very like, no, I believe in a collective removing of, it's as if we have this big wound, like this big vase broke on us and we're bleeding and we need to take each little piece of glass out mm-hmm. before we could be healed. And so we can forgive. That's awesome. But we have to all be willing to go, oh, wow, 400 years of slavery. That's something I'm not just going to wrap up. Like the glass is still in there. If I don't humble myself and come to you and say, hey, I recognize that this hurts and this is your family history, that your last name is very possibly the last name of someone who by force enslaved and stole your ancestors from, mm-hmm. and, and forced them into this. Like my last name is the name of, of my ancestors of whose line I come through. Like there has to be an acknowledgement of that. And so I'm always with that. Like, guys, let's not – please don't make this like that prototypical – if you want peace you know, and, and right. forgiveness. And we talk about that, but we're going through the process. And so Anwuchekwa – is this pastor in Atlanta who, you, if you've heard of him before, and I started following him about a year ago, whenever he was a part of, his church is a part of the SBC, mm-hmm. and he wrote this big letter. They left the SBC just talking about the issues within that denomination, their unwillingness to, to really come, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, take some more steps to have these conversations. Yeah. That he just, you know, it was very kind. It was he was very grateful and gracious about it. But they left, and they kind of blew up that whole that whole letter that he wrote. So we didn't really have. It was the week of Johnny, and we had one endorsement. We had a bunch of people. I won't say who that we'd gone after. And I don't mean a bunch of endorsements, but a couple of them that would have been right. you know, names in this space, names who who spoke into the racism conversation, mm-hmm. especially from a perspective of a person of color. Like we didn't have the you know the people. And the weird part of it, and I can't wait to tell, talk about this story with him sometime. So a year ago when he made that post and I followed him, I noticed that his Twitter account said he's a 4 a.m. riser, like he's an early morning guy. He oh, loves coffee. He's, he loves coffee. They have this whole amazing coffee thing that, that is it's, – it's called Portrait Coffee, and I hope you'll hear more about it. But it does some amazing things in the Atlanta area especially. But he said avid endorsement. Is what his thing said. Just kind of a funny thing. Yeah, yeah. So I I direct messaged him and just said, hey, man, you know, appreciate what you're doing, what you're all about, all that. I was like, I just thought I'd, I happened to see this in your bio and I wrote this stupid book (laughs) called The Ultimate Guy for the Avid Endorsement. Could I just mail you a copy as a gift just to say thanks, you know, for being you, you know? He was like, yeah, great. Send me an address. I sent him a book, never heard from him. That was it. Yeah. Here I am a week, over, or really a year later, the week of no endorsements except one, mm-hmm. and I get a package in the mail, and it says return to sender. Uh, a year later. Wow. I don't know where it went. Yeah. I don't know why someone picked it up and sent it back now. Yeah. It had been sitting somewhere in a post office thing, and I don't know why I got returned to sender. No clue. But it triggered my mind to John Unwuchekwa, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh. And so I just took a chance, reached back out, said, hey, man, I sent a picture. This came back. This is crazy. You know, uh, can I get another address? I'm really sorry. You never got the gift to try to send you. Also, can I can I tell you about this other book I'm writing? Yeah. <laughs> I just was bold. 
He was like, yeah, sure. Tell me about it. Everybody says that, you know? Right. So I sent him an email or whatever. We kind of exchanged more information, sent an email. And he's like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. It was great. You know, I was like, okay, well, man, I was like, go oh, fuck. This deadline is on me. Right. I'm asking this guy, you know? So that Friday I follow up with him. It's literally the day of the deadline. The deadline's Monday. And I'm sitting out and I ask, I, I send him one more reminder. Phone rings from Atlanta. I pick it up. It's John. And he was like, dude, I haven't even looked at it. I'm so sorry. I'm covered up. He was just super honest, you know. I said, that's fine. He goes, I said, can I tell you about it? He goes, that'd be great. Please tell me about it. So I took about seven minutes. Right. And he knew he knew who Reggie was and his, you know, and, and I just shared my heart on it, what it was. It's some stuff I just said, like, hey, yeah, yeah. we're going through the hard, we're going through this, not around it. And here's how, and here's the history and this and that. And we get to the end and he says, John, this is the book I've been praying someone would write. Wow. I mean, he said that. And I know, I'm not afraid to say that because that's what he wrote in his endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, even, he's like, I, I, I can't share what some other stuff he said. I don't want to give the personal stuff. He said, yeah, I'm going to take this weekend. I'm going to read the whole thing because wow. I want to endorse it. And he did. He read the whole thing and wrote this incredible endorsement. And it was literally because the Avid Endorsement was a book I wrote wow, three that, years man. earlier. And, and it's just a crazy, crazy story. All that being said, John Anwuchekwa has written a book that comes out this year called We Go On. And it's got a lot of pictures and stuff and shares a lot of vulnerable stories in his life. But it's a, it's a journey through Ecclesiastes. Okay. And so this is the tie back to our original conversation. Wow. I can't believe we got there. But yeah. he basically said, and I never saw this that the writer of Ecclesiastes is super clear that we all really believe that more knowledge will somehow fulfill. But whether it was the preacher or Solomon or whoever you think that was, he makes it super clear like this is actually a well that you could dig as far as you want to, and it's not going to give you what you think it is. And it really hit me, not just in the information age, but in myself. That, that, and the first thing I did when I saw George Floyd was – Besides cry and tell my wife I'm going to get it more involved. And I called Reggie the next day. The first thing I did was order a bunch of books. Yeah. Like immediately I want to educate myself and get involved. And I think that's good. But I can't solve the issues of the world even in myself through knowledge. Like knowledge, it's, it's a deceptive thing and we really think we can. I really think we instinctively believe that still through knowledge. Yeah. Even if you're not a book person, I think that. Yeah. And also I was just thinking when you said they have a doorsman like – I forgot about that. And you should have had, like, what were your endorsements for that? And did it say the avid endorsements for the avid endorsement? Because that, you missed a total opportunity there. The avid endorsements. Avid endorsements for the avid endorsement. Oh, my gosh. Wait, what, what were you even thinking? Right? Uh, I wasn't. Who was, who endorsed it? Nobody. Actually, I have You need, like, Tim the Tool Man. Oh, I'll tell you. Tim Allen. Right, right, right. You need that guy from Home Improvement. He would be a good avid endorsement. I actually have the book right here because I was, probably would do it. I was mailing a copy to somebody. Oh well, and you don't. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm a pretty big deal, Ron Burgundy. Oh, I've, you've told me. Uh, here's the endorsement. First endorsement is from the International Society of Important Things. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. This yeah. is a real thing. It's right here in the book. Oh, yeah. you you wrote this though. It's a Whoa. gag. It's a gag endorsement. International Society of Important Things says <laughs> this book is very important. <laughs> uh, next one was come again. You want me to endorse what? Bear Grylls. Okay. Uh, you are very special to me. Please leave a message after the tone. Oprah Winfrey's voicemail. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite of all of them. I wish I would have had a, such a book. I wish I would have had such a book when I was alive. Winston Churchill. Oh, that's nice. I mean, he really. He went all out. He did. Um, such an orator. 
Finally, this is what I've all been waiting for. Brene Brown overheard as she reached the front of the popcorn line to theater. Oh. Um, this book is utterly ridiculous. And then in brackets, it says Lee well-written. And that is an unnamed, emphasis mine, unnamed publishing executive. And finally, the last one is Richard Hedgminton, the world record, record holder for most books read. And his endorsement said, I've read a lot of books. So That's nice. Yeah. I mean... T- I can't believe that. Those was, are all avid guys, endorsements, and I'm, I'm telling you, and they in this case, those endorsements did affect sales. That's nice, just not in a good way. No, so, no, not at all. <laughs> in the same way that Coca-Cola affects your kidneys. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I don't have kidney stones. Like, isn't that part of the deal? Like, just don't like give so, up, man. Like, you so got to keep not, trying. I think it's like genetic, though, too. Yeah, like it's your genetic. propensity. For it, well, but. my brother-in-law has like at any given time 15, 16 kidney stones floating around. I remember, I remember, I had a moment of like humility though. I remember because our buddy Royce Gray, who passed this year, yeah, but he lived a lot longer than he should have because he had like kidney transplant mm-hmm. surgery and he lived like several more years after yeah. that. And uh, but I remember when I was with him in the hospital before he went and got his transplant, he said that a tra- he was on the list forever and he was waiting and he could have died. And then they said. The kidney was available. And I think it was like an 18 or 19 year old kid. It was like this huge moment and he get to the hospital. So he went in and I went in to wait with him. And he said, we were praying together. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about this kidney that came available to me and, and how it happened. And that this person basically like gave their, their, I'm getting a piece of this person. He goes, and I want to do everything I can to take care of it and honor it. Yeah. You know? And I was like, and I thought as I was leaving, I literally had this thought like, yeah, you better honor it. My gosh. You know, like. You wrecked your kidney somehow, and now you're getting this. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's the bare minimum. And then I went and got a diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> like, it did not occur to me at all that, yeah. that I was wrecking my own kidneys. You are an entitled <laughs> kidney owner. Yeah. I'm a Mountain Dew filter. That's all I am. I'm yeah. just pouring and see what comes out. Let's see if anything granular's created. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, yeah, anyway yeah. we miss you, Royce. Yeah, we do. Royce is a great guy. Great guy. Um, speaking of the internet, though, back yeah. to that conversation, there is something we have not talked about in this podcast. Okay. And but mainly because I wasn't up to speed. My wife has been on me about this. Like, when are you going to watch the rise and fall of Mars Hill? Listen to So it. that we can write. No, no, I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got like a special. <laughs> I just stare at the icon. That's uh, while I listen. Just the- and I'm in like episode, I don't know, five, I think, maybe mm-hmm. six. And dude. It is. You've, you've, I knew that you would. I knew that it would be a huge thing, which you know. Now there's the backlash to the backlash because you know for so long it went on and Driscoll was kind of left unchecked, and now there's this fallout, and it's like, how could this have happened? There's the deconstruction of the movement and how it became yeah. what it was, and now there's the deconstruction of the deconstruction where we go, is this just? I'm, I'm hearing this phrase thrown around a lot on Twitter. I think we're getting too into failure porn. In other oh. words, people are taking, like, you know, shout and frowd by yeah. seeing other people fail. And that's becoming, like, enjoyable for Christians and ex-evangelicals alike to watch someone's, like, complete, uh, you know, uh, dissolution of their ministry. Right. And we think of ourselves as better than them because, you know, well, I could never go. That's, but, again, that's such a, like, you're pointing the finger at sometimes at people who have been hurt. So what I took from it was, and the reason I knew you would like it, is like there definitely were some commonalities in what we grew up around. You wouldn't see like maybe this far. Well, there's a lot of commonalities. But yeah, but then you also would see like, 
you see a piece of yourself in there too. You go, wow, this is like one of those things where this is what happens when power is left unchecked, you know, in people. Right. When you just go, oh, well, I'm sure he's got it together. Let's just let him have free reign or whatever. I, I think I saw more of it in our young adulthood than I saw anywhere else. Yeah. Because all of our time in traveling and, and doing music and being backstage and, and kind of being the person that sometimes the power holder is hiring mm-hmm. to assist with the power holders event. Um, and great guys in a lot of ways. It, again, you have to preface all that. Yeah, yeah. But there was a, I don't know, there, there were some, yeah, there were some eerie things. And you're right. And the, here's the thing. If you're if this whole failure porn thing. Like you'd have to literally like defy what the producer and narrator is actually saying every episode. Right. You'd have to ignore it if nothing yeah. else. He's actually saying that this is this is what the story's about and one of the things is what God did in all this. Right. And his sovereignty and the mystery of that. Um and Well, I hate that whole thing too of just Taking someone who's deconstructing, for instance, and just putting all the onus on them that they're like, well, they're probably just lazy and don't, they want like an excuse so they can lead a sinful life. And you're like, oh, they actually experienced a lot of trauma and it's caused them to question these linchpin ideas and it's a result of trauma. But then rather than that, we just go straight to like, they just need to read their Bible and pray harder and figure it out. Like they're just being lazy. It's like. That's such a very like victim blaming mentality. So I don't like that necessarily. There there are examples of that, and I and I can if I'm searching my own heart, I can go, all right, Johnny, are you tearing X Y Z apart because you want an excuse for your own sinful nature? Sure. Like, there's part of that in everybody, but this idea that we make this broad brush that like, oh wow, so a, a human leader falls and we just want to all pile on and it's for our own like self satisfaction. No, I think it's important to look at these things. I think it's important to look at why. Hitler came to power. Like, we wouldn't say that about Mussolini. Well, let's not get into everything. Look, he was a man, and he made some mistakes, and we don't want to glorify. Like, no, we need to know, right? like, how these things happen so we can keep them from happening again. Well, because there's there's movements, and there's people, and not just one or two. Like, and I think why this is important, and this is something we've been talking about, whether it's race or whether it's... Um, Church and, and even Sarah Bessie, who was on the last one, mm-hmm. she actually like. There's something I want to write about. I've talked with with some people about writing about, and I preach on it some. And that is this idea about the house built on the sand. There's a fundamental assumption it's a bad house. Like my whole life, I thought of that as a bad house. And she actually said, "I was like, oh, she's going to write my book now. She's going to. It's going to. She's already more popular." So she's, yeah. you know, this is going to be great. But anyway, what she's You've managed to make it about I you. made this about great. me, what I want to do. <laughs> but no, she said, she said, you know, this huge mansion built on sand. Yeah. And that's really the whole idea. Like, hey, it's super important because all the, the, the bigger the mansion, the more people who take mm-hmm. shelter under it, which means the more people are going to be hurt when it falls. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even about size or influence. Of the, it's about what is... And I think that's actually where the quote, I was asking where that quote came from, what we allow, you know, is, is what we accept, you know, we're, we're accepting the things we allow. So there's some point in time when really like mainstream voices of reason and te- you know teachers that we respect in the faith are endorsing mm-hmm. things that they don't, they don't do. But they're, this guy's doing and they're endorsing because he checks a box or whatever. And it's whole 
Yeah, many times the box is just a charismatic personality, or he says the things we're afraid to say. Well, and there's you know, a direct tie He's a great there. speaker. <clears throat> that must mean he's a great leader. Yeah. Like, somehow, I don't know where we make that jump, but it's just very easy. It's that celebrity culture. Yeah. Um, and we're just a, that we're addicted to celebrity culture. So interesting. I was talking with a friend who has a pretty big podcast, and there, he told me this week, last week, that the nature of what they do, they get fewer downloads when they bring celebrities onto their big podcast. Hmm. That their audience really wants to hear just them do the teaching, coaching, leading with normal people. Yeah. Because the normal people are asking for that. So I thought that was a fat and, huh. and a beautiful thing. I was like, yeah, wow. maybe that's where maybe that's where we're headed. Uh, yeah. If you're into something deep, you're like, yeah, I want to hear from the people who are really like know the signs behind it and not just like, I wonder what John Mayer thinks about this. Like, right. it doesn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's true. Like, if you really are digging yeah. into something, maybe you're interested in that a little bit. You're like, uh, this would be interesting to know, like, what artist, you know, thinks they are and what they are. And that's an okay conversation. But, yeah, if you're really digging deep, you want to hear the science and the well, yeah, there's, the experts. Yeah, there's a um, there, there's a sense of I'm doing the work. That to, damages to- us a lot, by the way, because we're not either experts <laughs> or, you know, we're not experts at it and we're not celebrities. So it's like. Why are you listening right. at all? No one wants to hear that. No. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's very like, what's my purpose for doing this? Is my purpose to be distracted by something or is my purpose to do work here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it can happen. You know, anytime, and I've, I've challenged some of our younger friends before, and, and, and uh, you know, they, they'll come with a, hey, I picked up this dirt in the Christian industry, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And I'm always like, that is very interesting but I want to be super careful not to rejoice in the dirt. Like right. when you when you roll around in dirt for fun, you get dirty That's with them. Tough, you know man. what I'm saying? And Nashville's a big prime it's, it's spot. It's hard for not that. to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all around us. Oh, did you hear? And we do the same thing as pastors. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not calling them on. You know, and I don't have to call them on that a lot or whatever. But that's happened before. Of I don't. You know, I'm not even supposed to rejoice at the downfall of my enemy. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to pray for my enemies and love my enemies. And so there's that hard, I think right now it's super difficult. I'm going to say something that everybody's thinking. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because um, that's the kind of leader I am, Johnny. It's charismatic. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've talked to lots of people in private who are struggling mightily in the pandemic mm-hmm. when someone who was fiercely opposed saying this is not real, this is not real, not real, when they actually get sick. Yeah. And it's not that anyone wants anyone around them to get sick because we don't and they don't. But for a second, for a split second, there's a sense of justice to it. Yeah. And that you have to immediately say, I cannot keep that. I cannot let that coexist with who I'm supposed to be in Christ. It has to be immediately eradicated. I can't give it room. I can't like giving that room goes against, by the way, how many of us have, however you feel about pandemic or vaccines, those kinds of things, we all have something that we've been wrong about. Right. Um, and we may be wrong about a hundred things on both sides of this equation that, that God pursues us regardless of our wrongness is a part of the gospel. So there is a sowing and a reaping and all those things. There's wisdom and, and, and how wisdom plays out. I'm just saying there's that like sense of, I want people to get what they deserve and people could watch or, excuse me, listen to Mars Hill and certainly be like, well, yeah, that guy. Uh-huh. And I think that would be the wrong way to, to – and I think that's not even the way that the producers are trying to take it. 
Like this is about trends of how we all look at church or look at what we're doing in, mm-hmm. in God's kingdom in America. And I do think that there is a, what's the word she used? I think Bessie used, you know, there's an apocalypse, which we think means the end of the world. It doesn't. It means a revelation and apocalypse mean revealing. Mm-hmm. If that's a revelation, you reveal. So that means they saw something that, you know, was hidden or mysterious. So like there is a lot that seems to be being revealed right now. And that's a good thing, but it's hard um, when it means we need to address it. And I do think that men or women, but in this particular case, it's an evangelical church, men using church as a powerful tool to dominate others, even under the guise of protecting others. So basically like, hey, the only safe place for you from violent, from wicked violent men is to be under the purview of good violent men. Right. <laughs> Which we're seeing that. Yeah, we see that played out in gun culture. We see that played out. Yeah. The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And that's true in some cases. It is true and in, in some a lot cases. of cases, it just means that we have the most guns per capita and the most gun crime per capita. Hey, listen. Listen, if someone's breaking into my house, I want the policeman who's coming to help me come in. I want him to come in armed, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's – that's I, I, I there's a practicality to that that's true. It's the translation of that into spiritual culture. Right, right. And there is a warfare spoken of scripturally in spiritual culture. But it's when um, – and again, I just did the episode where – I mean like – and I'm not, I'm not going to be explicit as he was – where like he's taking Song of Solomon and other things mm-hmm. and saying – telling women to perform sexual acts on their husband in Jesus' name as a commandment. Right. As like a way – to repent of your disobedience. In this area. And as a way to grow the church. It almost felt like a culty thing. It was, yeah. Like, and then next thing I know, her husband's in church the next week. Oh, yeah. And and the crowd is... And they're laughing and you're clapping. You're like, this feels really culty. And you and I have been in places where things like that yeah, we have. were said. And we felt uncomfortable and we didn't say anything. Well, that's not true. We well, said stuff to each other and we yeah. eventually left. But yeah, it was but I'm a saying we didn't of, go to leadership and go, this is unacceptable. Because I, We don't have the power. There's look, no power dynamic. Andrew and I talk about this all the time. You cannot have that conversation with those who think those conversations shouldn't happen. Yeah. Like there if you want to have an honest conversation with right. somebody who doesn't believe in honest conversations yeah. unless they're coming from them to you, yeah, yeah. then your bridge is only half built and someone's dump yeah. truck is gonna fall off in the water. Yeah, there's a podcast I'm listening to and it's about uh it's called You're Wrong About and they dissect like basically big, big historical moments and they talk about like how we misremember things. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating, and they do tons of research for every episode, so they're very well thought out. But they're talking about narcissism, and they're talking about, in particular, O.J. Simpson and people who, like, they convince themselves almost that, like, like he never even thought about taking a plea deal because he was like, I can't be guilty of this. I'm O.J. Like, right. and they were her her argument, and it was very fascinating when you think about you know leaders we've had since then, not just O.J., but he was she was giving other examples. But she was talking about, we think of narcissism as this like almost like evil supervillain thing that the person who's being narcissistic is completely aware of and in control of instead of it being this character flaw that sends them spur, you know, spiraling out of control and they can't ask themselves the tough questions because it would mean an apocalypse. It would mean yep. this revealing, it would mean this destruction of their complete like self because they can't let themselves believe that they don't have the answers or that they're not the expert on X, Y, Z. They're the final authority. So, like, yeah, when you go to approach an authority figure who's being a narcissistic leader, 
it's like you got one arm tied behind your back already because right. not only are they not some evil genius, it's like a handicap. They don't even understand the the machinations of it themselves, really. And I never really thought of it that way, but yeah. I was like, yeah, it's like it's easy to be like, oh, this person's so wicked and they're narcissistic and they know everything they're doing wrong. It's like, no, it's wor- way worse than that. Yeah, you know, it's like they're doing damage untold, even to themselves, that is out of their control in some cases. In some cases, now in some cases, you see narcissism that's like it develops over time and it's fed, you know, like an angry dog is just as fed and fed until they finally hurt people. But I just think it's easier to like paint this broad brush of like there's narcissistic people and there's non-narcissistic people, and we don't see it in ourselves, and we don't see of it. We don't see it as something that we only see it as something like oh well, they're in total control of this. I don't know if that's true. No, I don't. I think I think man, it's fascinating because you, if the only thing that could help you is listening, mm-hmm. and the one thing you can't do is listen, right? Then you can't, like, you can't get past the problem. I think that's just, that's a little microcosm description of society right now, because it's not that I can't listen; it's that. I can't hear certain things. If I think your viewpoint on race is CRT, then the moment I can hear that someone accused even of that, mm-hmm. even though honestly, I know very it's few like a people, witch hunt, yeah. yeah. Very few people I know could give an actual definition of the the people who created CRT mm-hmm. what they intend for that to be and what it is. Okay? Right. I'm not I'm not speaking for it. I'm not speaking against. It. I'm just saying most people don't really know. Right. It's just that it's just, they just know they heard it on a podcast and they've decided that it's it's the new sweeping like moral panic to right. get panicked over. Yeah. But here's what I know. All someone has to do is is say John's new book is CRT mm-hmm. and they're not going to even though it's not. And we say we're not right. in the book, but it won't matter. They'll never be able to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so pandemic, same kind of thing. If you at some point distrust all media Outside of the the one, you are listening to media somewhere. Yeah, and I, and I don't want a mission for that. I'm really working on this idea of like, could you really get all of us, me and you included, take any given idea, take any given belief or or a leaning that we have, and basically do an inventory, like a written inventory of what all sources and people inform that's It could be something simple. What a great exercise! But that simple belief. Could could I really trace it back to its origin? Right. They may, they're not all bad things. They're not all good things. Yeah, I think but most people are scared to do that. Something informs that. Yeah. Like I'll have a, I had a conversation this week with someone close, and I just from the last time we talked till now, I'm like, okay, that didn't all come from you. Like you're inflamed again over this. Uh-huh. What's in? Like I want to know. What have you been watching? What's yeah? What did you read? What did you hear? And if the answer is Facebook, okay. Where specifically, let's go back in your history. Let's look at, let's build the blocks of this. And it could be leading to a truth. I'm not, and again, it's an exercise we're afraid to do as if when we do this, it's all going to be wrong. Right, right, right. You might, if, if, yeah, it could be that you, something was revealed and you were like, oh, I changed my mind. If what you believe is true, then you should want to do this because it's only going to make it more true when you find out all the sources that inform that decision. Well, some people think that never changing their mind about something is an honorable thing too. And we grew up with that. Yeah. Like, he never wavered. And you're like, well, sometimes we need to waver. <laughs> we need to waver. Well, you said that in a sermon one day, and I could see certain people getting uncomfortable. You said, when's the last time you changed your mind about something? And you, I could tell 
it made people itch. Yeah. Because it just fe- it feels like you're getting ready to like you you mean like change your mind about God right. or whatever. Slippery slope, yeah. And so people go to the umpteenth degree, but it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, sometimes we do change our mind about something because we're given better information and that's okay. Yeah. And sometimes we do need to like dissect, as you say, like what's the deconstruction of this idea? Where did it come from? Are these reliable sources? Yeah. Or is this just somebody that's like making money to inflame me? Yeah. Like literally we're being mon- – our rage is being monetized by billionaires and that should be the thing that enrages us. You know? Yes. <laughs> and instead we're mad at each other. We're not mad at the billionaires. You, you remember the movie uh, Monsters, Inc.? Yes. Like it's very much – there was a the, – the, the thing that powered their society was fear. Mm-hmm. If you get the kids to scream – then it it gives the energy. Bro, that's a sermon right there. It is. And that's what we're doing. If I can scare you or enrage you, yeah. I get energy from you in the form of you'll be a follower of mine now. You have to keep coming back to me because you're scared. Right. You know? And then I've got to keep you scared. So I've got to keep like Yeah. I gotta keep spinning. And the best way to do that is to make you afraid of someone or something. Like, right. I think I say in the book, like, hey, guys, I'm not a liberal, but you know the word can't actually hurt you. Yeah. Like this, like, oh, my gosh, you said li-. Like, it's a right. real, like, it's a little silly at some point uh-huh. as to, to act like that these kinds of words even, these ideas are – like they're not they're not a disease themselves that are going to overtake you and suddenly make you. I think I say you won't burst into flames of liberalism yeah. if you listen to viewpoints other than your own. Why take the chance, though, John? Mm. Why take the chance? Mm-mm-mm-mm. And I, so I just think that deconstruction here on the Mars Hill stuff is very interesting to me because well, I knew you'd like it because it's not a takedown. No, no. Um, but it's it, and it's good. It's an entertaining show the way they put it together with different voices and it's just like the way they use clips. So it's very thoroughly researched. Uh, it's not just like, hey, this just happened, and we're going to try to now monetize this situation by doing an expose of it. They took years to kind of get their thoughts together on it. And so you can tell. And you can tell that somebody's not like just like, I'm so happy to burn this guy. It's not about that. It's not about a vendetta. No, because they acknowledge right. a lot, a lot of great things he did. Uh-huh. And the way he helped the poor and the way he gave of himself and opened right. his home. And I mean, nobody's one thing. And, right. and that's the thing. That's that's really hard to that's really hard to process. <laughs> it really because is. Because we never we think of ourselves as being very complicated and we don't think of other people. Right. That everybody way. else is one thing. Yeah. Yeah. We want to boil everybody else down and we want everyone to see us as a beautiful like flower that just has so many things oh. going on. You have no idea what all I'm going through. There's so many layers and stuff. But that guy's just a liar. I'm a you know, guy. Like, <laughs> he, he lied to me <laughs> once, he's a liar. Aren't you glad you're not president? Oh, well, well I thought I'd take this chance to announce my candidacy. John. I know. This is so neat. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you know what? our Patreon. You got, a, you got a good chance because you're under 80. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I will yeah, round out. The, yeah. Uh, we're going to need our Patreon uh, supporters to really step they it need, up for this. Yes. Yeah. Who wants to be that $1,000 champion? I'm looking for that $2 million champion. Uh, <laughs> help me get on the air in, in suburban I Ohio. I think we've got the listenership to mobilize... Well, I got a pretty strong platform. I don't mean like stuff I believe. I mean like I, here a at the church, I've never fallen built, through it. It's made of pallets. Yeah, I remember when we built it. It's pretty strong. That was a big thing for a while. Churches were just pallets everywhere, everywhere. on stage. It's because they're free. 
I guess. Well, actually, they're not free, but you could. You can steal someone them? at church. You think, okay, hold someone on. Someone at church worked in a warehouse. Wouldn't that like, be hey, weird? We got these pallets. That'd be weird. Like, what if you let you stole pallets? What if to there's make a seedy underbelly of pallet distribution and people are just stealing them left and right, and we're hanging them all over our churches? And then we wonder why church attendance is down. Oh my! God because a pallet fell God on somebody. Can't bless it. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's because they fell through. Their... Now those pallets really are worth a lot because lumber cost. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. A sturdy foundation of fa- lumber costs coming back. Is pastors uh, house pastors house going? They're coming back. Yeah, lumber's lumber's descending. Is that what it's it does? <laughs> lumber's <laughs> descending from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I beheld the wood. That's weird. It's going. He's he's out there, man. It's going well. It's going That's well. Good. So, uh, hey guys, we hope that it went well for you today. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that you've descended <laughs> into the madness with us. You should check out our website, though. Talk about that podcast.com uh, archived episodes. Mm. If you want to binge listen, we know some of you are taking your last minute uh, vacations. Yeah. Uh, as I'm on, as you're listening to this, I am. On all expense paid quarantine. I think I'm in Cancun. <laughs> I may be stuck in Cancun if I get COVID there, but we'll see. It's going to be fun. Uh, if you hear, if the next voice next week will be like a remote, like grainy, awful, yeah. then that's what's happening. I'm in a room. Waiting for my room service, and I'm stuck in Cancun for yeah. 14 days. Yeah. But that's, that's okay. It'll be great. That's the, there's worse things out there. A lot worse. Yeah. Almost anything's worse than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> good. I'm telling you, I think I could use that extra yeah. vacation. So, hey, yeah, you should check out all of Johnny's comedy, though. It's worth watching. Yes. And you have and, a big show coming up. Oh, that's right. Uh, Nashville, I am going to be at Zany's headlining. Uh, and this will be technically the first time I've headlined there. It's, wow. like a, it's a one-nighter. On a Sunday night, October 17th. And so, yeah. So I'll be uh, headlining. And tickets are only 15 bucks. It's going to be great. So we want to fill it up. And it's limited seating, obviously, because it's just Zanies. It's, uh, I think they're, whatever, 300-seat room. So what, so are they, that's an, what do you call that, an A-club? It's definitely an A-room. A if room, you're a comedy, yeah. if you're a comic, you think about A-room, B-room, C-room. And Zanies is, like, one of the top ten clubs in America. Like, it's an amazing room. And yeah. it's a great club to have in your home city. So I work there whenever I can. I've worked there a lot more this past few months that we've been home because I get to go do like Monday night. They do this thing called New Material Mondays, and I go do that. Every now and again, I'll do a Tuesday night show there. But because of that, they asked me if I wanted to do a headlining night. That's uh, huge, man. And so, yeah, so I'm excited about that. And so, yeah, if you're a, if you're a fan of my comedy, I'll be working out some new stuff and doing some of the hits and all that good stuff. But I want to fill it up, and please come. October 17th, so mark your calendars. October 17th, we're asking... Our listeners, yeah. go buy a ticket, do it go to watch it. Johnny W. at Zany's. Yeah, and you can find info on my website, johnnyw.com. Yeah, absolutely. Man, it's exciting. Super, super proud of you. Excited for it. I hope you don't blow it. So, Thank you. Wait a second. It's, uh, that was, it felt like a real coaching moment it's there. very honest. Very don't honest. screw this up. Yeah, hey, and head on over also to notsoblackandwhitebook.com, and you can begin reading. Pre-order that bad pre-order. boy. Yeah, be That's very big helpful. for John's numbers. And gets, hey, as you Numbers, there's more to life than numbers. Sure. There's also there's cash. No, right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really does help, man. Um, and, and maybe get some people around you. Like, hey, if you get them, hey, there's some guys I like what they're talking about. There's a book coming out. Like, let's let's uh, help build this momentum for this book release. I think they call that a grassroots. We do. Yeah. We're very grassroots around here. Mobilizing. There's not some big weird autonomous collective out there, you know, in a nondescript gray government building. Moving the, the the weird levers, making this thing go. No, it's just us in a room 
standing in front of an audience asking you to love us. Like, <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen Johnny acting that out as he was he was I building was, quite was, yeah, the was word. Big, uh, it was a big sentence. <laughs> Was, I'm, very, I'm very proud of that. It sentence. looked like it looked like you were on. Uh, you were, looked like you were on one of those ski machines with yeah, your arms there for a second. I was on like an elliptical, but I was imagining it was you know like you know when the, like the little guys inside the gigantic robot. Yeah, that's what I was imagining. That's not what we are. We're just two dudes. We're not that at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what all Johnny just said we weren't, but I'm sure we are not it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's exciting, guys. We appreciate you. Send us your questions, your comments, man. Leave us a review and preferably a good one. Mm. And invite your friends and family uh, to come join us next week on Talk About That. <laughs> I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.